I was a bit of a joke when I first got there. I was very, very skinny. I guess the longer my career went on, uh, I was definitely more intrigued about, I guess, the, the pain side of it a while, uh, because it can sort of drag you down after a little bit. How do players at the top level in rugby do what they do? And what can young, ambitious players learn from them and their journeys to achieve their own dreams in the game? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international player, now mental performance coach, and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. Welcome back to the pod, or if it's your first time here, welcome and cheers for clicking in. Today I'm chatting with George Cruz, who won two Six Nations titles with England and three European titles and four premierships with Saracens. In this chat, you will learn about the culture at Saracens, how forward thinking they were over the last 10 years and what it was like in the setup. And you'll also hear a less traditional route to the top as George wasn't looked at by any pro teams when he was in school and had a kind of different journey to most. We chat about mental health, concussion, and why he decided to walk away from the game at only 32 when he was fit and healthy. George also tells what it's really like to play under Eddie Jones, how he found playing in Japan, and we chat about his business 4 5. 4-5's mission is to help people lead happier, healthier lives through the power of CBD and vitamin supplements. I personally take CBD myself and find it really helps you to relax and is a good alternative to painkillers. And also, George said to me off air that he would like to give away a £100 gift card for 4 or 5 to a listener of the pod. So you can go over to my Instagram at offfieldrugby now to enter that. It takes 10 seconds. And as well as that, all listeners of the pod can get 20% off 4 or 5 products at 4 5.com if you use the code OFORPOD20. Make sure that you're subscribed to the pod so you don't miss an episode and also check out some of the earlier pods. So here's episode 55 with George Cruz. Dealing with money can be very stressful and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website, sparkswealth.ie. Recently, a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon, and it was a brilliant experience. So that's sparkswealth.ie. So how did you get started playing rugby? Um, good question. Uh, I had a, I've got two brothers uh, and one of them uh, used to play down at a local rugby club. Probably a lot like a, a fair few people uh, really just got stuck in through more of the grassroots bits and then picked up a little bit of school and, uh, uh, and took it from there really. Nice. And did you play any other sports growing up? Uh, not not really. I did a bit of swimming. Uh, did a bit of gymnastics, but like really, no, not not too much. It was pretty uh, pretty rugby focused to be fair. Nice one. When 
then you said like school when did you start to I suppose enjoy it get serious about it or that kind of stuff yeah for me it's probably it's slightly a bit different um like a lot of lads who have been in the professional setup uh, would have done academies since they were sort of 13 14 or so um but there'll also be a good number of people who you know, go through uni and then filter in that way. Um, so I was kind of in the middle of that. Uh, I got a trial as soon as I left school at 18. Um, but un- until then, it was it was pretty social rugby. Um, re- I, I enjoyed playing, uh, but I'd never been to like the gym, never focused on nutrition. And I'd never done like, you know, extra s- skill sessions and so on like that. So um, yeah, I got a trial straight after school. And uh, with a bit of luck, I-, I managed to stay there for a couple of weeks and then went from there really. Nice one. So you say there, yeah, social rugby, and then just a trial came up. Yeah. How did that come about? Yeah, I've got, I had a schoolmate who, a school teacher, sorry, who knew Nigel Ray, who's the founder, uh, well, not founder, he's the, you know, the, the, head, the head guy at Saracens. Uh, and he had introduced a couple of other players like Richard Horton and a few others along the way. Um, and you know, he was just like, look, I think it'd be good for you to go check him out. Uh, and obviously vice versa on the other side. So, uh, yeah, I, I did go there. I cut my knee open quite badly on like the first day of a, a week-long trial. Um, but subsequently, since then, I had been told that I was definitely going to be let go um, after that week. So uh, so it worked out quite well that I did cut my knee open. And I sort of gave, gave me a bit of time to to rehab, but to um, show a bit of, you know, improvement in a, in a, in a number of different areas. Nice. And... Around that time, like when you were 17, 18, were you keen on like pursuing professional rugby? Were you keen on going down that route? Honestly, I I was like as keen as like someone would be. Uh, but I, I was I thought it was a pretty unrealistic sort of setup because I had done I'd done like some southeast or some county stuff, but I mean, realistically, everyone does that. And it's, it's sometimes a bit of a joke. So um I think, yeah, to I think. Where I knew I was at compared to like some of those lads in the academies, I was a good a good way off. Um, like I said, I hadn't really done any sort of gym programming, any any nutrition bits. I just you know there was a lot. There was a big gulf really. So, um, but I had a lot of you know I could work hard. Uh, I was pretty focused. So I think that time that I was there uh, rehabbing uh, really allowed me to, I guess, show that I, was, I could be a bit of a project player. Um, but I'd played heaps of rugby. You know your your, your standard sort of Saturday Sunday club and then school type setup um so i've done lots of rugby it's just you know so it's a different ball game when you when you head, head to a, a a professional setup yeah for sure and how was it then like jumping into that like daunting or how how'd you find that like going in there yeah from the level you're at Nah, it was mad to be honest it was um it was just like because because then saris had a, a, a like a they would recruit some really really top class players and then like you know a base of like pretty or players that, that weren't like as amazing so it's like to see some of these like wild cast players um you know and you come just from schools was, was pretty uh was pretty odd um but now i think you know in that project they you know they then got on board a load of people who could basically work hard as a group and get along rather than picking out like the, the stardust and then uh, and then doing it that way but um now nah, it was it was it was brilliant. Like the, the level of coaching, the level of you know, even just being in a, a professional setup of a, of a gym and so on, and the nutrition side. Like I saw huge changes in my either like body and you know that sort of muscle mass, the sort of 
skill set within within a year um, because pretty much all, all my job was to do was put on weight and learn to catch and, and run properly. So, yeah, it was quite focused. Uh, really enjoyed it. Obviously, a, a lot of hard graft, but, um, yeah, really enjoyed that period. Nice. And so when you went in, you said like a week trial at first and then you cut your knee open. And so what you're kept at, you just, they kept you on, like you cut your knee and they're like, oh, we'll give them, we'll give them another bit of time and string them on a little bit longer. Is that how it worked? And then you say a year there. So is it just, were you kind of just going along? They were just keeping you along for the first while or how did that work? Crack, yeah. No, like, I think there's a, there's a sort of thing where if you, you get injured in those sort of things, um, you know, that, that there'd be, it's a good practice to, to, you know, to bring you back to, to fitness. Um, and for me, like, well, for them, it was pretty, it was pretty like, it was pretty risk-free, like, you know, those contracts or petrol money uh, or contracts, which might yeah. be five grand or so, were, you know, wasn't going to break the bank for them. Um, but, uh, you know, to maybe test out and see if someone who was maybe sort of six, six or so, you know, it's worth putting a little bit of time and just to seeing if, you know, if that growth can, does continue. Um but yeah, yeah, cut, cut my knee open. It was right on the kneecap. So like every time I moved, obviously like you couldn't really do too much. So I, I basically sat in the gym for upper bodies and, and and got some good growth there. Yeah. And then did you, was it head to Bedford for a bit for a loan period? Yeah, I was there for maybe six months or so um, in between. Yeah, like my, my career was pretty, pretty step loaded. So I, I, I very much was like school, uh, into academy into you know on loan into the like the fa cup version of you know the, the lv cup uh into premiership into international and so on so yeah i spent maybe six months at, at bedford uh which was which was brilliant and i think that's a good system um you know allowing players to sort of experience adults rugby but at a, at a level which they you know they can also kind of crack into as well uh so yeah it was good stepping stone Good to good to meet and greet a fair few other other people. Obviously, some people have been, you know, uh, in it for a fair while. So back back at Sarries, we were still training as an academy group. So I think to get that sort of age age group um, difference and sort of levels of experience in, in those different things was brilliant. Um, and yeah, I liked my time at Bedford. It was a it was a good crack, really good. Yeah, and you mentioned there like the the progression or whatever. But it was pretty quick for you, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. It was, it was steady. I, I would say like, obviously you see some players like won't well, never get there. You also see some players get there and, you know, when they're 18, 19, 20. So yeah. I think for me, it was, I was, I have to work that one out, maybe 22 or 20, no, 23 or 24 when I first got international. But I think like this, this, it was good for, what was good was I could see the constant steps going up, um, you know, even through sort of some injury periods uh you know to get your first lv cup then premiership then european starts and so on uh so yeah obviously like you you're always eager to to progress uh as quickly as possible but i think especially in a position like mine it's you know it's probably more of an experience-led one so you know if you're in that sort of area when you're 25 onwards is is not a bad thing because you'd you'd have had a good amount of experience as well so yeah and as you're like progressing through at start, say, was there ever any kind of imposter syndrome where you say like there's boys in academy from the age of 13, 14, so like you would have gone in, I'm sure, and there's every, pretty much most other lads have 
been there for a few years. They know each other. They know the setup. It's quite different. Was there ever, as you're going through, like thinking like, oh, geez, I don't know. Should I be here? Um, definitely when I first got there. Like, I, honestly, I was a, a, I was a bit of a joke when I first got there. I was very, very skinny. Um, I could, like, just stuff, standard stuff, which they had done heaps of in terms of, like, just make sure your limbs can move properly. You're conditioned for X amount of minutes. You, you know, you can pass properly. Like all these things, I was just like <laughs> very out of my depth. Um, but like, like I said, I, I get enjoyment. I get good sort of buzz out of at least chipping away at stuff. Um, and for me, I, I could, I could see good, good initial gains. So even if it was like, like, what can you squat? It was like terrible at start and then slightly less terrible and then slightly less and then, to a level which was just you know okay at that at the point so like those sort of things were, were quite intriguing it was quite interesting for me to see okay well if i eat the right stuff if i do the right training programs if i do this uh you know then I, then then everyone's coachable um and i think that's you know as long as you, you you're keen and you you put the work in i think that's where i sort of created my my growth and i guess my motivation and my appetite for it continued off that nice one 100%. And uh, last one chatted then like in about Saracens, a culture and like how it's mm. a bit different from the way other teams are doing. I think everyone's getting on that now and it's a bit of a buzzword and whatever. And people are doing different things than just the traditional rugby schedule would have been 10 years ago. But um, chat to me a bit about that, what it was like, you know, when you were then 23, 4, 5 or, you know, mm. playing with Saris. I It was brilliant, like really good. Uh, I think they, they nailed it. Obviously, you know, some, some things off the back of it, uh, some fallout bits, but um, no, I think they, they absolutely nailed it. Like taking people on trips, taking them away from the environment that they, you know, they had been in, um, sort of showing everyone in the, in the company a good level of respect. Um, I think that was, you know, brilliant to have that real forward thinking stuff, to have players under 24 or 25, making sure that they were, they were doing things like uh, education or trades courses or, or anything that was relevant to them uh, without doing it in a way which like kind of preaching and sort of saying you have to do this. It was more, it was just a bit more culture than that, kind of everyone bought, bought into it. Um, but yeah, like things like that, but like clearly like some of the, the, the best memories I'd have with rugby would be some of those those trips, obviously, um for a while they were quite well documented in terms of you know whether uh whether they should be allowed and so on and, and whatever but yeah they, they were they were brilliant and I think like going away on a you know after a game on a Saturday to a, a different country for three days and then having a front up on, on the weekend you know once you know you, you know you've put your body through a bit of a uh, a stinker uh, in the week uh you know it is was brilliant and we had a, a brilliant record of, of backing them up um you know and I think those sort of things if you can build on them that they, they become quite uh exciting quite uh you know quite, quite a, a bit of something to draw from a bit of um motivation to draw from yeah that's class and so how many of you would have gone off say on it on this trip oh the, the squad yeah the whole squad would 30 um, yeah maybe 40 of us um and yeah, like ones where they, they'd split you up into different countries and you'd have to meet, you'd have to find your own way and meet in the middle in, say, Switzerland or something. Like just random stuff like that, like thought-provoking things, which kind of uh, layer, layer you with uh, some stories along the way. Um, but yeah, and, and it wasn't just, you know, go out and get pissed. You know, we'd, we'd have 
good culture, open, honest meetings, you know, things which, you know, what's what's up with the club? What's is anything, you know, what can we work on? Things which I guess after maybe a pint or two can be a bit easier, especially for sort of uh, lads who, you know, are pretty, um, I don't know, closed off a lot of time. Um, but yeah, I think those sort of things and, and you know, you just, you got, you got stories off the back of it, you know, that it just creates a bit of a buzz, a bit of excitement, a bit of something to look forward to as well. Because if, you know, if you've got them kind of two or three times a year, like those winter months can get pretty, pretty long and tired and, and like, you know, it's raining and, and snowing and sleet and, you know, to have something like you could go away to, I don't know, somewhere with a bit of sun for, you know, a few days. It, it, it's amazing what's, what that does for the attitude and sort of the build up, the narrative within the season, because otherwise you're just talking the same stuff all season. I, th I think it's it's a really smart way of, of breaking stuff up. Uh, and yeah, I think money really well spent, to be honest. Like you look at, you know, what those things cost, but then also you look at, what they give I think a lot of people just look at what they cost at the beginning of the day um and and really you know can't maybe be as forward thinking or uh, or so on to to see what they actually give uh not just in terms of performances but also in terms of you know memories experiences and how long that player then wants to stay at that club uh you know if you've got 30 players that want to stay at a club that means you don't have you know, a third of them leaving every year and you can actually start to build stuff, build teams, uh, build relationships, build trust. And uh, I think that's, yeah, I think that's kind of unspoken for, but was a huge part of our, our success for sure. Oh yeah. So true. So many points there. And um, like, it's interesting. A lot of teams, I think, do these things for the sake of it. Like at preseason, it'll be like, oh, we're going doing this because other teams do it in preseason. So this middle block of preseason, we do this trip. And then it's like just you're doing it for the sake of it. Whereas what you're yeah. saying there seems so thought out. Like you say yeah. the trips and then it was like kind of scavenger hunts or challenges within the trips and all this stuff. Like, yeah, so um, interesting. Who is who's behind that or like so forward thinking? Yes, and I'd say we had a very creative group of either coaches or or people, but we had a really good guy called David Jones who's still there. He's sort of head of, uh, and also David Priestley before him, sort of head of, uh, I'd say, maybe culture and, and player development. Uh, but obviously that, you know, that's quite a, a wide topic in terms of, you know, he'd help people with university, he'd help people with, um, you know, psychology uh, sports psychology help people with a number of different things but I guess their role was to make sure that a player is in a good spot to to essentially be as best as he can be on field uh, and like I said a lot of that is actually off field stuff making sure that the player is happy off field and I think like especially now you like I've always been amazed at how uh, you can like coach a player build a player as, as a as a a company like Sarah's, you could build a player and put so much into him for like five years. And then suddenly in three months, they could lose their head and, you know, not want to play anymore or, or anything like that. So I, I think the, the emphasis, uh, I definitely think now, especially off the back of COVID, like a lot of emphasis is around, you know, how can you keep a player sane enough to completely be committed to, to, to want to listen in meetings, to want to improve, to want to, um, you know, progress really. I think that's, that's probably the, the 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 bigger battle now. I think you've seen you know heaps of improvement in people's fitness, strength. I think that's sort of plateauing. I think the next phase is is very much you know mental strength. I guess. 
Yeah, that's such a good point you make. And uh, because, yeah, like like say, all the gym, all that stuff, everyone has sussed it all out, I think. Like everyone's at a similar level. And it's, yeah, you want that person to be good, like to be all good. And and like I say, want to stay going into what you're saying as well. It's like, first of all, you put all this time to them, you want them to stay, but then you want them to be buzzing. You know, you want them to be wanting to come in, to be wanting to play and, and just yeah to be to be flying it versus just putting them through the ringer yeah and, and a good club should want them to leave with you know some unbelievably mem- memories even if yeah. that's going on to a different better club or worse club or, or they've got a different offer or whatever like a good club should want them to to enjoy their journey that, that they've been there to talk about them well to you know because that's all part of then how you recruit the next person if you know someone leaves happy and so on so I think that I think definitely Saris did a very good job of um leaving players very happy once they're left uh, and as a result like we'd have picked up a good number of players just through you know word of mouth and if someone wants to go somewhere that you know they're willing to accept a little bit less and so on and so on so yeah i think those sort of things all 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 take into uh consideration when you're trying to build a uh, a winning culture yeah and when you mentioned there like the mental side of that's like the next like i suppose growth period or whatever or opportunity um what kind of stuff were you doing in saracens uh, like off-field stuff yeah um me personally yeah or yeah um i, I do i did a bit business degree um and like i think they were quite good in terms of like well i'd go to them and say that i've got exams here i've got um tra- i've got uh in class here i need to be and so on and that you know they'd, they'd bend with you uh, i think some some um, clubs can be quite rigid in that uh, so they're really good at that but but then also helping set up things like I did a, uh, a shadowing at a school for six months one day a week uh, with with the North London club uh, North London schools so helping those sort of things but like really wide range really I, I could go to them with a lot of different things and and they'd sort of they'd be comfortable in, in sort of helping out really like even when I started to set up business bits uh, towards sort of 2018, so my last couple of years there, um, you know, they they would help out with contacts, they'd help out with, uh, you know, putting me in, in, in the right places. So yeah, it was very very helpful, very helpful. Good stuff. And so with the business, why did you start to decide or want to set that up, or why did you go about that? Um, I think I've done a degree, uh, and I guess more well, I guess more on the. In, like the actual use case side, like myself uh, and Dom Day, the other co-founder, both in 2018, uh, both got injured, both had operations in January and February, and WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Association, so they're the ones that test us for banned substances. They took CBD off, which is a cannabinoid, which is a, um, and they took that off the list. Uh, So essentially we, you know, we were both injured looking for, for ways to recover quicker, uh, you know, within the, within the boundaries of what we could do uh, and tried CBD, got some really good use case out of it. Uh, and then off the back of that thought, fuck, let's set up a company. So uh, kind of went from there uh, and now, yeah, lots of, lots of like good vitamins as well. Some uh, like a, a wellness range as well. Um, and yeah, kind of took it from there really. Cool. So the two of you had this idea and then how did you go about like how did you go about starting how did you yeah no, 
I've had, like yeah, it's it's it is interesting. I think you just gotta just gotta do it. I think so. The first steps really just setting up a company, uh, a company's house. And I think like what's what what could be good for uh, useful for like um, athletes is like you know if you want to start a company, these are the first ten steps in doing. I think I think that it could be useful, and I know the RPA are looking at those sort of things. But um, yeah, essentially setting up a, a company at company's house. Uh, going and finding the right contacts uh, did a heap of like background obviously if, if you want to make a good quality product you've got to make sure that you know you're doing the right background research so a lot of learning on the job but a, a lot of questions asked a lot of roping in sort of people who you know ultimately got a lot more experience than us um, and just making sure that yeah we, we were kind of speaking to as many people as possible about what we wanted to do and and how we wanted to, to skin it I guess. Cool and so then the two of you are playing while you're doing it and just like that journey along, like I see now you're in boots and like, it's, a, you know, it's big yeah. and just, well, so it's just bit by bit. You're just like, Oh, let's try this. Let's do, try yeah. do this. Let's make a website. Let's, is it like yeah, that? Like it is, it is as, as uh, yeah, it's, it, it sounds, I guess the, the idea of doing it is a lot more daunting than actually when you just start ticking stuff off, like the amount of information is on, like on the internet, amount of information that, you know, you've got, there's always, everyone will always know a few people who, you know, are really willing to lend a hand and sort of, I think with rugby and the doors that we've opened, obviously that those doors are probably a, a fair few more than say, uh, you know, the average Joe, but like, I guess it's, it's about using them, making sure that, you know, you're asking the right questions and so on. Um, but yeah, like we're in boots going into Tesco's next, at the end of this month. Um, yeah, we've been doing some raising. We'll do, probably do some more raising in in a, in a few months' time. Um, and yeah, it's like I, I think for us, the main thing is just trying to make sure that we're producing very good quality product. Uh, I think there's a heap around like having, especially on say the vitamin side. There's there's heaps around crap product, but marketing it really well. Uh, and it's actually really once you like are in the mix of it and and understand and got. You know, we've got some formulators, we've got some uh, doctors and so on, like really looking into the, the products that we'd see as competition. Like it's quite, it's, it's really interesting to see how much goes into marketing and you, you can market something that's crap very well. Um, so I guess our job is to, you know, we've, we've produced some very good products. So now we just need to market it very, you know, and, and, and sort of explain why the products are, are so much better rather than just uh, going nice and cheap. So that's, that's our challenge. Nice one, fair play. It's unreal, and with the like CBD in sports, like I think it's great and it's brilliant that it was taken off and all that. And definitely, I think it's something going forward. You know, versus taking painkillers so much. And um, have you seen? I see on your Instagram like different players like taking it. But have you seen a an uptake or people interested in it? Other players like wanting to try it out and that kind of stuff. Oh, heaps, yeah. Like we've had, I'd say, thousands of athletes use our product now. Um, and I, I guess, especially because of the, the, the level of testing we do, CBD is probably uh, a it's a it's a it's a product which obviously is highly associated with cannabis uh, because it is a compound from cannabis or, or the hemp plant, uh, and therefore, you know, you got to get things right uh, in the production and so on uh, and the testing to to really give people confidence. Uh, I think when we first brought out as two rugby players brought out a cannabis based product, we went from getting maybe 
tested three or four times a year to getting sort of 10 times a year from <laughs> randomly, randomly <laughs> drug tests. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and we worked alongside the, the the governing bodies on that sense uh, and, you know, and made them very aware of what we're doing and so on. So I think we get ours third party tested, uh, third, third party batch tested by, um, by a banned substance control group that sort of tests for heavy metals and banned substances and so on. Uh, also, all of our vitamin range is tested by Inform Sport. So, like we've we've put in place a load of different procedures uh, to to make sure our products are at least tested by two two um, I guess testing bodies, uh, and uh, and that yeah we're we're very happy to take. So I think, like I said, for us it's all about trust. It's about building a brand which which might not you know pay off and like rapidly in the short term but you know you, you build brands which uh i guess are, are trust based and product based and sort of quality based then you know that it does come back around so we're, we're now starting to see some really good growth on those sides of it um and yeah i think if we'd always encourage that if there's any anyone's got any questions around cbd or, or any vitamin bits then of course reach out to to us at uh 45.com but or, or just you know or go for brands that are highly tested uh because especially in the cbd space it's it is cleaning up now but it has been a it's been an interesting space for for some brands who kind of want to get in and get out quite quickly yeah fair play well done that's brilliant and i saw you say somewhere else i think that um you kind of like retired to focus on the business on what you're doing there mm. and like why is that? Were you were you kind of done with rugby because you're still what, 32? Mm. Yeah, I, I like. I think people retire for a number of different reasons. Never just like never just one. Um, and for me, I'm quite like like I said, I'm quite uh, like memory or sort of experience based. I, I like to, uh, to to try. I don't want to basically stuff as many as as I can in, in, my, in my lifetime. So I think for me. I've done rugby for 14 years. Uh, I can still walk. My back's a bit sore, but I can still, you know, I'm, I'm still present uh, uh, instead of like really hanging on to the last couple of years. But then also things like sacrifice of weekends, um, you know, friends, relationships, all those sort of things. Um, but yeah, I, th I think the biggest thing was I, I have a very good opportunity uh, with four or five. And I think uh, for me, it's a case of, you know, can I grab that? um the the way up would be to come back you know and try and try and work for um maybe a world cup or work for um you know a a premiership sort of spot and and, and get in that sort of route but yeah for, for me it was it was a case of balancing everything up really i had a good you know three month sort of decision process and how i you know and, and put and looking at the different levers that or lift and areas in my life that you know and for me it was like it, it just about came uh on on the business side that I, I wanted to go down that route rather than continue with rugby so yeah it was, it was definitely a balance of where I'm at what I'm doing um you know physical health you know what's going on with the you know everything in the in the mental side at the moment in terms of you know concussions and all that so it was it was a balanced approach to to see and explore the, the next chapter of my life Good stuff. And so it was like you mentioned there, concussions, was that like something you thought of weighing up? It's like, I'm, I'm all good now. And that just, you have this opportunity in front of you and it's just like, that's exciting, but they're just like, I, I can walk away now healthy. Yeah. That, that is a huge bit of it. You know, there's some pretty ugly stories coming out and I know, 
um, you know, you, you never know until you get a scan or something what's, what's going on. But I think for me, um, I wouldn't say that that's like a, a sob story in itself and something that is like the, the one and only thing. But like, like I said, there's a number of different things, whether it's finance, like the sacrifices you make, business opportunities, how your body is, how your mind is, um, you know, what you want to experience in life. Uh, so I think when I when I brought them all together and looked at them on, a, you know, on basically on a piece of paper and just, I think for me, it was the right option to to experience something new. And and, and I know like, you know, that the missing out on, you know, more games with friends or, you know, and having family come watch, all those sort of things are definitely things that I'll, I'll miss. But, you know, I could, I could also, you know, I, I could also drag my career out and, you know, you never know what happens in the next couple of years if you do that. And then uh, especially the older you get, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and content enough with, um, with my career. Uh, and I think for me, it's about exploring the next chapter. Yeah, good stuff. And um, just on, like, have you had any concussions or many? Uh, I'd had a few, yeah. Like maybe three or so in my career. So not heaps and heaps, but I think it's more, uh, a lot of those things are more like the, the smaller regular hits, I think. And obviously in a position where we are in, in second row, kind of cleaning up a lot of stuff. Plus, all like I'm, I'm probably in a position uh, where I'd normally do your, your 80 minutes instead of your 50 minutes. So, um, yeah, I think those sort of things in, in terms of wear and tear on, on body and, and mind is, you know, it, it comes into account, especially uh, the older you get. Yeah. And when you went off to Japan, um, like once again, you were kind of in your prime or, you know, you're probably about 30 ish at that stage. Yeah, when you mentioned their experiences and stuff, was that just something you're like, well, oh, fuck it, like head off to Japan, have a bit of crack, like see what it's like over there? Is that? Yeah, like pretty similar. Like I, I'm, I guess in my thought process, I'd be quite practical in terms of weighing up a lot of different stuff. Um, and for me, like, yeah, I was playing for England at that time. So those, again, that's like the sacrifices there and, and so on. Uh, and I was really enjoying at the, at my, at Saracens. So those sacrifices, but I think when I weighed it all up in terms of more time to do business because of a longer off season, uh, less uh, less wear and tear on your body because obviously, you know, I've been going from playing maybe 30 plus games a year to 15 games a year uh, in Japan. So those sort of things make a big difference. Um, but I think ultimately the, the biggest thing there was, yeah, I was, I knew at some point um, sort of when I was around 30, I wanted to do something different and, uh, uh, and yeah, I think that was as, as different as you could possibly plan. It was a it's a, a wild place and, and somewhere I'd, I'd highly recommend to to head out to. Yeah, how was that? What was it like culturally going over there? Just crackers, like it's yeah, like so. Whenever I was asked, my only answer is like it was just different. It was. Have, have you been to Japan? No, never been. Yeah, so like I think most people go there. They'll, they'll say it's a bit like a different world rather than a different country. You know, it's it's just so foreign to what as a as a Englishman who's lived lived in pretty much around London his whole life it's a very foreign uh, and and I'm like I said I quite like new experiences I'm quite intrigued I like learning I like you know seeing different cultures and, and that was you know it, it blew my mind a bit uh, and yeah in a brilliant way I loved it yeah a, f a few years ago I was playing with a guy and his um his best friend went out there playing and he was saying that like the feedback he got was like 
the beds were really short. The food was all really weird. And then he used yeah. to go for beers with the boys and he'd just be sitting in the corner. They'd be drinking or uh, speaking Japanese and one or two would speak English, but he'd just be yeah. out with the lads, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, again, you have to do a bit of research around like what club you go to, where you go to, because it can, but you can get very foreign clubs in terms of the, the like sort of... Um, language side of it but but also uh you can get very foreign coaches and sort of the, the maybe the training might be very different to what you're used to um but i think there's a good number of clubs which sort of tokyo based i think are brilliant kobe uh is, is decent which you have a, a good a good uh, group of foreigners but also you know a lot of the the japanese internationals in those teams uh so they speak a good chunk of english but um yeah like every place will have will translators and so on but yeah, you need to. You definitely need to pick your, your club wise in. I was very fortunate to to uh, head over to Panasonic Wild Knights, uh, where we had a, a brilliant group of foreigners, but also a really good group of Japanese players as well. So it worked out well. Good stuff. And when you were speaking there once again, like how it seems like you really enjoyed it. You're talking about the experiences you had, and a lot of players, I think at different levels will kind of always be in fear, like fear of getting dropped, of it ending, of not getting a contract, of, you know, and you kind of, they they kind of go through it just in that kind of fear, like worrying about what's going to happen next. It sounds like you were kind of, it sound, did you enjoy it? It sounds like, you know, you're like, oh, I'll do this one 30, I'll do this, I'll, and all these different things. Did you enjoy your, your time when you were playing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's like, um, Given, I think, especially in like the, the Saris period, we, when we initially started to win some trophies, I think my mindset was very much around the trophies uh, and sort of trying to hit, get them um, under my belt. But I think the more, like we're very fortunate to, you know, to, to rattle through a, a few trophies. So I think that the further down, you know, the, the, I guess the longer my career went on, uh, I was definitely more intrigued about enjoying that process of the the whole journey and because like you realize quite quickly that you know you you have a goal in mind or whatever uh, which might be a trophy or you know business might be a promotion or whatever it is uh, and you work like really hard for that and then it goes quite quickly like the next you're on to the mm-hmm. next season or or whatever or um so for me it was like probably a mindset change of really enjoying the journey uh, and the and the build up to it and sort of you know, the semis, the finals, but also the, you know, the, the big games throughout the season and sort of the trips and, and that side of it. So, yeah, I'd say, I, I've, like I said, I'm very, I've been very content with my with my playing career. Um, I, I know I'm very fortunate to have played at two brilliant clubs um, and to, yeah, I, I know, especially, say, to finish up at Panasonic, like we didn't lose a game when I was over there, you know, so that's for, for two seasons. So I think you, you it would be a very different environment. And I know, like I said, I've been probably pretty grateful with the two environments that I've ended up playing in have been both, um, you know, decent environments. Yeah. Was there anything that helped you shift your focus from like always looking next trophy, next thing, next thing to enjoying the process? Uh, yeah, tough, like tougher than said than done, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's pretty easy to shine. Uh, but I, I think, um, probably, um, like enjoying the off field a bit more. I think you can get quite, when you're younger, I don't, and I'm not saying this is right for everyone, but you can be quite like, um, you, you know, you, you don't want to 
enjoy this side of you know the off field in terms of maybe having a drink or relaxing a little bit I think the longer uh, you know the older I got so in, say in terms of pre-season like maybe when I was younger younger I'd be grafting and you know you'd get five weeks off I'd be doing three weeks of graft um, so but then the, the, the later you go I think the you know the more you realize that you've got to take those weeks off and you know I'd take five solid weeks off and I might do a bit of training in the in the fifth but you know, it was very much enjoy the, the, the down period because, you know, you're, you're going to have a string of 35 games in the year. So uh, I think that sort of mindset of like make sure that when I'm on, I'm really on. But when I'm off, like I can find ways to switch off because otherwise it's it gets quite constant. And I imagine it's, well, it's the same probably in, in business and, and definitely I'm finding ways in which even in the last month and a half when I've been since I've been retired, like I have to find ways to give myself times to to switch off and that's all part of rebuilding and, and enjoying that sort of the journey I guess so yeah it probably be off to, off period is, is key um but also yeah just really enjoying the relationships that we're you know we're fortunate enough to to get I think um you know we're, we're very I guess as athletes you majority of the athletes get along with with each other and they're very blessed to have like a a lot deeper relationship than you maybe would with say you know the person you work next to at work or so on mm -hmm. um i'm very fortunate that we have i've got some really good relationships that are at four five but you know i, I think for maybe the average joe it's it's you know you, you don't really get to that level um and i, and I think yeah like, like i said I'm, we're very fortunate and, and grateful to to be able to spend a bit a good bit of time uh with people that you actually care about which is nice yeah 100 percent and you mentioned there, like during your career, like with two brilliant clubs and winning lots and all mm. seems great. But what was, say, your biggest challenge or like tough period of, of your career? Yeah. Um, injury, like I've had maybe seven or eight ops. Um, so, you know, there's definitely times and periods when I would have been injured when I definitely didn't want to be. Uh, and lower body injuries as well. So like two... Three, three ankle ops, two MCLs, and a like a, uh, I guess a, a, a my, my one of my bones in my knee kind of popped out a bit. So like those sort of, they're quite repetitive sort of mundane rehabs. The the leg bits, so a lot of like really slow, long movements where you have to just do over and over again. I think though those are times where you just think, oh, this is like killing me a bit in terms of. You know, you want to be out with you know the, the training guys and, and so on and, and be playing. Um, I think that that's always quite hard. But then also like the, the I think dealing with being sore off the back of those uh, probably has been the had been the the bigger thing. Um, and like a lot of that soreness sort of went away when I was at Japan because I lost sort of ten kgs because uh, you don't need to be 120 over there um, and I did you know less jumping less on my body and so on so I think that sort of period where I was heading into um, heading into sort of uh, the last couple of years in, in UK uh, where I, you know where is a good tough grind where you go from sort of uh, premiership to Europeans to internationals to premiership to European to uh, summer tour I think that's like that's tough grind I think my body was sort of uh, hurting me a little bit there but I think and that's you know a large like I said a large reason of why you know I was excited to, to, to move and to experience some other things as well so 
I'd say injury was the, the tougher bit uh, and I kind of like how you deal with that, how you, how you deal with, you know, I guess the, the pain side of it a while, uh, because it can sort of drag you down after a little bit, but, but that's all part of professional sport. And I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm very aware that that's, you know, that's life. Yeah. Was there anything that helped you through it? Cause I was, like, it's pretty common when people find injuries tough and um, yeah. everyone gets them. As you say, like in playing rugby, everyone gets them. But anything that helps you through those periods? Yeah, I think once you like, you put up with certain stuff for a while, but then you suddenly go, right, well, actually, I've probably got to change or, or adapt here. Uh, and I think for, for me, like a lot of that was around. Sorry. Oh, a lot of that was around. Um, I'm just in flight mode, that. Uh, a lot of that was around. Like the adaption for me was making sure I was doing a heap more uh, injury prevention bits, making sure I was doing uh, a good chunk more on my nutrition side. So a lot like even the CBD and the, and the uh, wellness bits are, are all, all tied into, you know, how you can make yourself a better sort of uh, less sore player as such. Um, so that, uh, but then, yeah, like you just become more, more mature. Your, your schedule might change a bit more from, you know, um, from out and out, say power and so in the gym to a bit more injury prevention, a bit more, you know, maintenance uh, type stuff. So you, you just, you mature in that sense. And I think those, those sort of things you, you, uh, you start to pick up when, you know, when you have a fair few ops or you have niggling injuries. Yeah. And yeah, definitely experience helps for sure. Um, what kind of coaches did you like being coached by or what? So like say if someone, listening or a coach like what what makes a good coach these days uh i think coaches that are clear i don't think anyone likes to get bullshit now uh, i think um you know like i got like i got dropped once by by being told i was 49 51 uh, percent not selected and i just like that that means nothing to me like, like you've given yeah. me nothing you've, you've the only thing you've given me is like just crap information, which I don't even know how to process or I, like, I, I get no, I had no motivation off the back of that in terms of, Oh, I could go and do this to achieve this. I could go and change this. So I think that sort of like useless fluffy information is something which I'd try and I, I would not respect a, a coach for that. And I'd ask for more. Um, but then you get, you know, your people like Eddie Jones who are ridiculously clear with me in terms of, right, you'd need to do this, you need to do this, um, or you're doing well in this, those sort of, those sort of bits. I think, um, yeah, I like the, the clear cut sort of conversations. Um, and I think a majority of players do. I think the ones which don't are maybe ones which probably know that the answer is one they don't really like to hear and therefore might like a fluffier answer. But I think the ones that maybe generally want to improve, um, and, and fight for their positions are ones which will always, you know, take the, take the honest feedback. Uh, but also, you know, if you're doing well, then it's, it's good to be, uh, you know, encouraged as well. Yeah. It's actually such a cop out and so cowardly from coaches. It's a, it's a cop out. Yeah, it is because no one likes to do those sort of meetings, but like, if you can do it open, honest and, yeah. and there's reason behind it, then that's like, and even if the reason is, well, this player is, a, is, a different type of player than you, then you can understand that because you've got to pick a game plan and so on. But yeah. if you're left the meeting with a, a, a guy who was 2% better than me, like got, you just, you can't even know what that means. It's like, it just, yeah, it's nonsense. So I think, I think I'd, I'd always encourage 
Well, I'd always approach the situation quite openly as well. So I wouldn't try and fluff about it a bit as well. Yeah, good stuff. And what's he's my favourite coach, but Eddie Jones, how is he like playing under? Yeah, good. Like, I, a huge amount of respect for him. Yeah, I, I think he's like I, I, I love I love the media. They love to get stuck into stuff, and they've always got to write stuff. But you know, he's a coach, which is his, his winning percentages are still, I think, the best as an England coach. He's he's a big tournament uh, coach as well. So you know, I, I'm really excited to see how they get on in the 2023. Um, but yeah, he's con- continuously like moving uh, forward. He's learning. He's he's always asking questions he's always uh, speaking I know like his, his work rate off field as such in terms of speaking to different coaches different disciplines uh, is so big uh, and I think as a player that sort of gives you that it gives you a bit of it impresses you and gives you a bit of confidence that he's and, and their team's doing everything they can um, but yeah yeah I've got nothing but, but good words about him he could be uh, he could be straight down the line like he, he'll give you it nice and clear but um, yeah I like that I really do Good stuff. And when you say tournament, like coach there, like like for sure, like his his um record at World Cups speaks for itself. But what kind of what's the difference there? Like, what's the difference with say being involved with England during a year and then a, a tournament? Like, um, I don't know. I think you get more time, don't you? As a coach, mm. you get more time with the players. You get like a, a month or two continuously uh, pre World Cup. So I think. With the English setup, it's always it's always you know some of the you might get a week before you play a Six Nations game, which is pretty tough uh, in terms of trying to get players on the same page and so on. I know you know it might be different for other countries that kind of own their players as such, but you know the dynamic with the RFU, the the PRL, uh, which is the Premier League, and uh, and uh, is like a di- and is a dynamic where you know they don't necessarily own the players. There's a lot of bargaining mm. back and forward in terms of time and and how much game time and all that sort of side. So, uh, but I think he does a really good job of I think squad selections in in those sort of World Cup periods or uh, or, or big campaigns are are quite impressive. He finds a good balance of people who want to be there, a good balance of people who know they might not be in a be in a starting lineup, but can really help the squad. Uh, so good team players, um, but and a good balance between you know age and uh, you know yeah, the youth and and, and ex- more experienced players. So yeah, it's just yeah more time. I think is the big one there. It gets more time with the players. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Um, just two more quick questions, but uh. What was your favourite day in your career or if you got like relive one day in your career? Um, oh, I don't, there, there is heaps, there is heaps because like I said, we're, we're very lucky to have, to have uh, you know, been in some some big games. Um, I did really enjoy the Barbars game, uh, like my, my last one. I thought it was, it was, it was nice because obviously it was, it is a bit more of a relaxed game, um, but also I had sort of 90 odd people there watching and sort of celebrating, uh, you know, a, a career as such. So uh, I enjoyed that, but no, there, there'd be heaps, you know, between the first sort of starts, all those sort of things, but uh, but also just random small games like uh, a game against Argentina when we, you know, had a red card for the whole game and, you know, the way you sort of have to pull together and, and so on. Um no, nah, uh, stacks. I, I wouldn't be able to pick one. That's a, basically, I'm giving you a crap answer. Uh, I wouldn't be able to pick one. No, nah, it's good. It ties in like uh, the way you're saying like that. 
your experiences seems like you really enjoyed it while you were playing which is brilliant and mm. yeah when you do that then yeah there's lots mm. um and then last one the guy the young lad that got that trial for saris who hadn't played much rugby back in the day you at mm. say 18 what advice would you give him um i would give him i'll give him advice just just like work hard to be honest <laughs> work hard enough i think there's that is, that is, there's no real substitute for that. Um, but then I, I would say, I'd say enjoy the journey, which I think uh, I, I, I have done. But like I said, there's definitely a few years uh, at the start where you're quite focused on, you know, that that bigger goal rather than focusing on enjoying, you know, every day and so on. Um, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say graft, to be honest. Like most people can get somewhere if they're, if they're willing to, work hard enough and, and sacrifice a few, a few, a few bits 100 percent um hey thanks much for your time congrats on a brilliant career and uh cool looking at what you're doing now four or five best look at all that going forward no nah, thanks thanks very much for having me on cheers cheers for clicking in today would you quickly leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening to this really helps other people find the podcast with the algorithm and I love seeing your feedback and hearing that. Also, send the pod on to some friends who would enjoy hearing George's journey. I loved how a kind of common theme throughout what George was saying was enjoying the different experiences that he was having and looking to make new ones. And then at the end, when he was given advice with, of course, the importance of working hard, which... I think everyone knows that to achieve anything you have to work hard like some people win the lotto but for everything else you got to work hard but he also mentioned the importance of enjoying it and enjoying what you're doing and how later in his career he shifted his focus from kind of always being hung up on trophies to enjoying where he was at what he was doing and it's something that when I'm working one-on-one with players on mindset and performance that it's a really common thing I see with players that they're always very anxious to to be at the next level and to win that trophy and yeah you want to be competitive yeah you want to strive to get to the next level but it's just so so important to enjoy where you're at and be grateful for where you're at and the opportunities that you have and yes just really enjoy it because the time you have playing rugby is short and it's as you probably know if you play it's one of the best times of your life so yeah and a lot of round performance as well is is enjoying it like you know when you played your best rugby you had a smile on your face you weren't overthinking things you're in the moment you were just playing what you see you weren't thinking about what the coach was going to say. You weren't worrying about the mistake you made earlier in the game. You were just having fun enjoying it. So when you can bring yourself away from the mindset of always living in the future to simply enjoying where you're at right now, the outcomes actually are better. You actually play better when you, when you do that, when you become more present and just enjoy each day what you're doing that day and yeah it's just something that is definitely challenging as a young player and as I said when I work with players or when I'm working with teams 
and experience is a great teacher but I know I was the same when I was younger I was always wanting to be at the next place um, but yeah some that I try and uh, explain to the young players that I work with remember as well to enter the competition on my Instagram at offfieldrugby that's for a £100 gift card to 4 or 5 and you can get a lot of quality stuff for £100 like that would go a long long way that's a good one to win and yeah it takes 10 seconds to enter that and also as I mentioned at the start of the pod George is giving you 20% off 4 or 5 products at 4 or 5.com when you use the code OF4POD20 if it's your first time here check out some of the earlier episodes you'll know some of the other names other premiership players guys that are on the lines with George Make sure you're subscribed and I love hearing your feedback, genuinely love hearing what you're enjoying about the pod, what you like about it, what you would like to see more of, who you would like me to get on and you can shoot me DM on Instagram or Twitter at offfieldrugby, LinkedIn and Facebook is Brian Moylet, that's M-O-Y-L-E-T-T. And yeah, if I can help with anything, help you with anything, if there's anything that came up in this pod, any questions, thoughts you have, yeah, if you feel that I can help you with anything, shoot me a DM. Would love to hear from you, connect and have a chat.